0: Well, so far in our series on what we value, we've talked about gospel, mission, and community. Gospel, mission, and community. And we internally, we refer to those as our three super values. So we have seven values, but those three are the big ones, gospel, mission, and community. And these next four that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks, they flow out of those three. And so this morning, we're going to talk about our value of service, that we meet needs when we see needs, in May of 2010, it was a really special evening over at Word of Life Assembly of God in Baldensville. Um, it was an ordination service, and um, ordination is the highest, leveling, the highest level of credentialing that a pastor or minister can receive from their credentialing body, and we're part of the Assemblies of God. Now, I was previously ordained with Elam Fellowship, but at that season in life, now 20, 13 years ago, I had made the decision that I needed to transfer or wanted to transfer my ordination from Elam, To the Assemblies of God. And so I was recognized that night as being an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. What also made that night really special is that my mom on the same night was recognized for being ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. And so we actually got to be ordained together on that evening. And something that they do during the ordination ceremony is they present you with three things. They present you with what's called a stole. And a stole is just something that goes around your neck. And they also use these at graduation ceremonies sometimes. I think, but in the ordination context, the stole represents the authority that comes with an ordination or even maybe the anointing is a word that would be used as it hangs over your, your, around your neck and rests upon your shoulders. They also hand you your Bible and it's sort of symbolic of stay faithful to God's word, teach and preach God's word. And then the third thing they hand you is just this towel. And the towel basically is you're called to a ministry and a lifetime of service. And the running joke is always, I'll take the stole in the Bible, but I'll, I'll pass on the towel. <laughs> well, this morning we're talking about this story that really that imagery comes from. In John chapter 13, beginning in verse, just verse 1, it says this, when the feast of the, Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, to depart. Now, anytime you see the word the hour or his hour in the Gospel of John, it's always referencing to the cross. So when Jesus knew that the cross had come and he was going to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. In this story, Jesus is celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples. It's something that faithful Jewish people would have done every single year. He knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. In fact, in the next 12 to 15 hours, he would die on a cross for the sins of the world. And with all of that before him, in this moment, he was present enough to love his friends to the end. And he took an opportunity to provide his friends and you and me with an unforgettable lesson, an important one. And it's about serving. And so this morning, we're going to be quick. But we're going to talk about how Jesus served, why Jesus served, and who Jesus served. How did Jesus serve? So let's go back to the story in verse 3. It says that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He stood up. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, when we think of the Last Supper, we often think of Da Vinci's famous painting. Uh, when we think of dinner parties, we think of our own experiences, but this looked very different. This is 2,000 years ago in a very different culture, and you actually would have walked into this room and sort of been startled by how they did things. A couple interesting things about banquets back then. First off, before the banquet, they had a time of appetizers before the meal. I love that. I love appetizers. I'm an appetizer guy. But what they would do is they would just wash one hand, and they would use that hand exclusively to eat the appetizers before the meal. Then they would go to be seated. Or actually, to recline at the table to eat, and at that point, a basin would be passed around again. And now they wash both hands before they would partake of the actual meal. And they didn't sit in chairs with backs and upright like you and I would. In fact, what would happen is the couches, there'd be couches arranged around the table. There'd be a table in the middle and there'd be these couches around it, almost in a circular way. And they would lay on these couches and the upper part of each person's body would face the food and their feet would face away from the food because feet were dirty and disgusting. And so they kept their feet as far away from the food as they could. They would lean on their left elbow, leaving their right hand free to reach the food. So they were Laying down and eating. Those of you that love eating in bed, you would have fit right in. I hate this, but you would have loved this. And, And when you when you envision this scene, what this means is that when Jesus got up, he had to go outside of the circle and walk around the outside of the table to get to everyone's feet. The travelers would have come a long distance on dusty roads in sandals, so you can kind of envision and imagine what their feet would have been like. This was not a culture where they bathed with any regularity. The host was supposed to provide water as a sign of hospitality, and normally this was done as, as they arrived, not during the meal. But losing someone's sandals and personally washing someone else's feet would never have done by the host, Never been done by the host. It was considered the work of a servant, and not just any servant. According to D.A. Carson's commentary on the Gospel of John, he says that because washing feet was a job so lowly, there is evidence from history that Jewish slaves were not expected to do this. They were not expected to wash the feet of their masters. It was considered even beneath them. Gentile slaves might be expected to do it, or children or women slaves, but never a Jewish male adult slave. And here we see Jesus, a Jewish male rabbi, stooping to wash the feet, of his students, I just don't want us to miss this, a rabbi would never wash the feet of his disciples, never. And in this moment, Jesus is giving us actually a snapshot of his entire life and ministry, and one of the commentaries says it this way, Jesus rises from supper just as in the incarnation he rose from his place of perfect fellowship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He lays aside his garments just as he temporarily set aside his glorious existence and emptied himself of the glory. He takes a towel just as he took upon himself the form of a servant. He wraps a towel around his waist for he had come to serve. He pours water into the basin just as he was about to pour out his blood in order to wash away human sin. He washes his disciples' feet just as he cleanses his children. On this remarkable occasion, Jesus perfectly in a moment staged a portrayal of his whole life, from birth to death and to resurrection, and he loved them to the end. This was an upside-down moment, and it would have taken everyone's breath away in the room. Here's what Jesus was revealing to his disciples and to you and me. In his kingdom, there's a radically different set of values and priorities. The first will be last, and the last will be first and we should be servants of all. Jesus was teaching them here to serve one another with humility and great love. One of the commentaries said this way, Jesus was calling us to be a people of the towel. I love that phrase. It stuck with me all week. What would it look like for us at Trinity Assembly to be a people of the towel who are always looking for ways and opportunities to pick up our towel and to serve one another? To live to serve, not to be served. When I live to be served... Life is all about me. When I live to serve others, life is all about others. When I live to be served, everyone in my life exists for my personal happiness. When I live to be served, some people deserve my help depending on who they are. When I live to be served, I I miss opportunities to bless others. I need to be noticed, applauded, and recognized for my work. I make excuses at times why I can't or shouldn't serve. I see serving as a burden. Some acts of service are below me. I'll serve on a stage but not off the stage. When I live to be served, my disobedience limits the difference I can make in the kingdom. And when I live to be served, then I'll serve only when it makes me feel good or advances my agenda. But when I live to serve others, every person is loved and valuable, even my enemies. Everyone in my life is someone I can love and serve. I look for opportunities to bless others. I don't care who gets the credit for my work. I question my own excuses. I see serving as a privilege. No act of service is beneath me. My obedience actually advances the kingdom and glorifies God, and I serve to advance his mission. This is how Jesus served. Erwin McManus says this. He says, the needs of the world are too big for us to be living such small lives. The needs of the world are too big. The needs at Trinity, the needs in clay, the needs in our community are too big for us to live small, self-centered, selfish lives. Jesus served. Secondly, why did Jesus serve? Let's go back to the text. Verse 12. It says, when Jesus had washed their feet, he put his outer garments on and he resumed his place. And he said to them, I just envision him kind of reclining back into his place. Judas right next to him. John right next to him. Peter right next to him. I'm sure you could hear a pin drop in the room. And Jesus said, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right for so I am. This is an interesting side point. Serving people doesn't change who you are. Jesus didn't, he was not no longer teacher and Lord because he was serving. You don't lose your gift and your anointing and your calling and your position and your titles because you serve. It actually strengthens those, strengthens those things. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. He's saying, if I did this, you should do this. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Why did Jesus serve here? He served to set an example for you and for me. He knew that in the next 12 hours he was gonna to walk to the cross, he was gonna suffer, he was gonna die for the sins of the world. Three days later he was gonna rise, rise from the dead and then he was gonna leave the entirety of his life and his ministry and his teachings in the hands of 12 men that couldn't get along, didn't like each other, weren't going to look out for each other. Just chapters before are arguing about who is the most important in the kingdom. And so Jesus, knowing what's at stake not just for them, but for you and me 2,000 years later, that the gospel message would thrive and continue to go forward into the world that desperately needs to hear it. He says, the last example I need to leave for my followers is what it looks like to serve. What does that say? What does it mean... He says, I wash your feet. Now, you wash one another's feet. Now, some, some churches actually interpret this very literally, and they have feet-washing ceremonies. And that's a beautiful thing. I've actually been around those things. We don't, it's, not, it's not something that we do here. If you're interested, we could probably set it up. Uh, but it's not something we do with any regularity. The broader principle is not necessarily wash a person's actual feet. What is the broader principle here? To wash another person's feet in this culture was to do what no one else was willing to do to do what everyone else thought was beneath them. And so if we're going to serve one another and quote-unquote wash one another's feet, here's what we have to be willing to do. We have to be willing to do what no one else is willing to do. Are you willing to serve in ways that no one else is willing to serve? Or are you above it? Or are you better than it? Even in our pre-service prayer time in the lobby this morning, we were reminded of this by Leanne. And as we were praying about this, I, I, she, she mentioned something that kind of struck a, a chord with me, that sometimes even in our serving, we do things because we know we're better than the people who wouldn't do what we're doing. And So even our service is about ourselves. I've been there before. I've run some large events for youth in the past, and I'll walk into a space, and it's a mess. And there's people there that should have cleaned it up but they didn't do their job, and so what do I do? I, I become the martyr. I just start picking everything up, but under my breath the whole time, I'm like, I hope they see me doing this. I hope they, <laughs> I hope they see me doing this. I hope, they, I hope they realize this is their responsibility, and their Holy Spirit convict them when they see me <laughs> serving you <laughs> and, and others, right? You've been there in your own home maybe at times. No one else is cleaning up, and so you make yourself the martyr, and even though you're serving really in your heart, you're very angry that you have to serve. To wash one another's feet is to serve one another selflessly in humility and don't need to be noticed or seen. We serve one another. And then lastly this morning, I just want to point out who Jesus served. This is my favorite part of the story. I'm going to ask Pastor Antonia to join me. Just think about for a moment who was in the room and whose feet Jesus washed that night. I want to just name a few of them. James and John, the brothers. He washed the feet of these two brothers who he called the sons of thunder somewhat because they were ambitious. They wanted power. They, they were the ones who either themselves or their mother on their behalf went to Jesus and said, hey, can we sit on your right side and your left side when you enter your kingdom? And they wanted power. And as Jesus sat down and watched James and John's feet, I just have to think that their power idol in their heart began to melt. They realized, boy, if Jesus can do this, then what do we love power for so much? I think of James the Zealot, or Simon the Zealot, and Matthew the tax collector. And the reason why I think of these two men is because politically speaking, Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector were on opposite ends of that spectrum. Simon the Zealot was one who said, we're gonna overcome the Romans through force and military. He used to be a zealot. That was a sect of Judaism where they thought we're going to actually have to use the sword. To fight off Rome, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was basically in cahoots with the Romans. He was a sympathizer of the Romans, and yet Jesus called both of them to be his followers on opposite spectrums of the political, or on opposite sides of the political spectrum. And Jesus didn't say, "I'm only going to wash this guy's feet because this is the way I vote," or "I'm only going to wash this guy's feet because this is the way I vote." He washed Simon the Zealot's feet, and he washed, washed Matthew the tax collector's feet. Thomas was in the room. I actually think Thomas gets a bit of a bum rap. We call him Doubting Thomas. I think we're a lot like him. But still, Jesus washed the feet of a man who would say, I'm not sure I believe. Against all the evidence, I'm not going to believe. And he washed the feet of Peter. And Peter, literally a few hours after this, is going to deny he ever knew Jesus. Jesus knew that was going to happen. He actually was the one who said it was going to happen. And yet he washed Peter's feet. And then the most amazing thing about this story is that Judas is still in the room when this happens. He hasn't left yet. Judas, this man who is about to betray him with a kiss and in a way bring unthinkable pain into Jesus' heart and to his body. And yet Jesus, fully aware that the devil had his way with Judas, gets to Judas' feet and he washes his feet. It's amazing. But more than all of that and more than them, he served you and he served me. Because Jesus didn't just pick up his towel that night. The next day he picked up his cross and he walked to suffer in our place. And because of that, we can serve joyfully. If you feel like, oh man, serving is, uh, it's a struggle. I tried to serve in the past and I wasn't appreciated and it's, and, and, and it's hard to be a part of a team. Of course, it's hard to be a part of a team. We're humans, we, we upset each other, we, we bother each other. I understand that. Or, or I, I've given so much and I'm tired now and I don't wanna keep giving. And, and when we struggle to serve, we can look in two directions. We can look back and see Jesus on that night, washing the feet of his disciples, loving them to the end. But we can also look forward and find motivation to serve joyfully. Earlier this week, I was I, I came across this video of the Oklahoma softball softball team. They they won uh, they won the World Series of Women's Softball this week. They they have an NCA record 53 games in a row they won. Listen, to win 53 games in a row in baseball or softball is unusual. They're a special team. In this past decade alone, they've won, I believe, six national championships: 2013, 16, 17, and now three years in a row: 2021, 2022, 2023. And they're interviewing these three Oklahoma soft players, and they said, how do you deal with the anxiety and the stress of being number one and having this winning streak? And every single, th- every single one of these girls gave glory to Jesus. And I just like took my breath away listening to them. And the last one who spoke, when they said, how do, you sh- how do you deal with the possibility of losing? She said, even if we lose, even if this doesn't work out for us, she said this. She goes, this is not our home. This is not our home. She said, we have, an, and this phrase just like, stop me in my tracks. She said, we have an eternity of joy ahead of us, an eternity of joy. And So when you have the opportunity to take up your towel and wash the feet of someone who thinks differently than you, believes differently than you, someone who's even hurt you, and you're struggling to find joy in serving them, that's very human. But we also have the opportunity to look forward and say, I have an eternity of joy waiting for me. So I can serve well now. I can serve now. Because for all of eternity, I'm going to be led by Jesus into ever-increasing joy. And so I can wash the feet of others. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, we marvel at you that in the hours before your unthinkable suffering and pain you had within you, you had the wherewithal to think of others when we know pain is coming we pretty much think of ourselves but you were thinking of your followers and you were thinking of us that you would give both Peter, James John, all of them and all of us here this morning this beautiful example pray that you'd help us today. Holy Spirit, cause each of us to think of a specific way we can serve people in our lives. Husbands, think of ways that you can serve your wives, anticipating their needs, being selfless in ways. Wives, think of ways that you can serve your husbands. Parents, ways you can serve your children. Children, ways you can serve your parents, co-workers, friends, neighbors, church family. How can we serve one? Today at the church picnic, how do we serve each other well? by your grace, make us a people of the towel. In your name we pray, amen.